Hello, my friends. I am so excited to let you know that we now have a free trial of LeaderBits. If you want to learn from the greatest technology leaders on this planet, visit leaderbits.io. So I want to recommend a book to you this week. It's called Blueprints for a SaaS Sales Organization by Jacko. I came across this book through a referral. Right now, I'm building out the LeaderBits sales organization and customer onboarding, and I had really been struggling with the automation, because there's so many options on how to do automation and engagement. There's multiple systems, keeping the data in sync, and all the resources I was learning from, they're using different words and only covered a piece of the puzzle. So I highly suggest this book because it's the one set of words that answers every question. They are literally blueprints for the entire SaaS sales organization. And get this, I reached out to the author of the book just to say hello and thank you for we're putting together such a great book. And then he looked me up, found out that my family has a children's charity, and he donated the proceeds of me buying the book to the charity. He's an awesome guy. So thank you very much, Jaco and Fernando. The book is Blueprints for a SaaS Sales Organization. Now I get really excited because today we are talking to Yasir Anwar, the CTO of Williams Noma, and we discuss their exciting developments with AR and VR, creating an outcome-based culture and making sure your investments align with your passion to achieve success. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. What's going on today? Tell me about it. It's a, it's a beautiful sunny day. I can see the ocean right from here. The Bay, San Francisco, pretty good day and you know, getting ready for the weekend. Nice. Any big plans? Well, yeah, dinner tonight and then um, hopefully a, a good long sleep during the afternoon on Saturday. That's a big, dis a good disruptor for me. Is that when you catch up on your sleep? Yeah. So uh, I checked out the, the Williams-Noma AR stuff. I'm very, that's like, that's awesome. That's exciting. Tell me about that. So it's, um, it's our, uh, you know, recent acquisition of uh, a company called Outward Inc., which is based out of San Jose. And it is a very unique platform in a way that it uh, allows us to do unprecedented scale uh, 3D visualization assets. That means virtual assets are created in a 3D format, which is the foundation for any AR or VR implementation. You need those 3D assets. So that is a, a very exciting time for us that we have a platform in-house now through which we can virtualize our assets across the different uh, categories and stuff at scale. So, and, and you know, the AR VR to me is like a tip of the iceberg. So the, these are the applications of those assets. So we can have multiple implementations of these 3D uh, objects and assets and deliver various experiences for our designers and customers. For instance, um, today, if you look at it uh, in the next couple of months, we would be launching first of its kind customer facing room planner tool. So customers would be able to define dimensions of their own rooms and shapes and sizes. And our 3D way would be able to uh, in an AR application, we'll be able to design the rooms with our furniture, with our uh, things, tables, sofas, everything in their application. And we would have a similar tool available for our designers also inside the store. So that's going to be a big unlock for us because as we understand, 
designing uh, rooms and decorating rooms is a very engaging, emotional, and some many times a difficult process to get the things right with the colors, combinations, and dimensions, right? In a, and 3D space gives you that uh, thing that you could place things and see how everything looks into the ratio of the, the size and the space. Uh, so our job at Williams Cinema is to kind of make that difficult process not only easy, frictionless, but also fun. And that's where we are heading um, uh, with the AR, VR uh, aspects. That's so smart. I would love to see more companies being innovative like you guys are. The fact that, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there and to see you go, you know, acquire another company and leverage the technology really shows how forward thinking you are, which I love because that's my style, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, the, like, what made you, did you come up with this idea to acquire this company? Did you just want to use it? And then the second part of the question is, is William Sonoma more than just kitchens? Yeah, so I think um, to your first question, I think uh, it wasn't my idea because it was pre-me. I joined William Sonoma like four months ago. Okay. So it was, uh, I think we were engaged with this company for a period of time. We were working with them as their customer. And I think our CEO and some of the other leaders they figured out that given such a, such an important space for us in the future, instead of being their customer, let's acquire and own that platform. So I think that's where it came in. So the, you know, acquisition takes a while. Now I think 2018 is the year where we're gonna build some foundational experiences, leveraging that technology. And in 2019, you will see things built on top of it, where we will try to create more edge in terms of uh, customer experiences online and in stores. So was it a pretty smooth transition? Like, do they still operate independently or do they all come under the, the brand? They all uh, are they're part of the company, of course, right? But to be, able, to be able to keep the freshness and the approach they're doing as a startup, they are, uh, uh, they are located in a different location in the Silicon Valley, uh, but they're all integrated with us. So it's like, you know, um, decoupled yet highly integrated uh, thing is needed there. And that uh, I I am um, uh, I'm given the responsibility to lead that organization, that wired company. So that's uh, that's also because it's so close. It's, it's a tech organization. It's a tech product. So it made all sense. So yeah. when I joined, and I took over that responsibility. That's awesome. Yeah, because you want to leave their culture and what's making things work intact. Because you want the benefit of all of that. Right. Exactly. And you also want some osmosis, right? So there would be some great nuggets of culture of uh, speed and decision making, which we could bring to the larger William Sonoma technology organization. Oh, that's so exciting to hear. And, and you've gone from big C-level technologists, like from Walmart, uh, all the way up through, you know, Macy's and now William Sonoma. Tell me about like, was that intentional? Uh, how did you get involved with with technology and the enterprise? I think, uh, you know, I, I've always been a technologist. I grew, started my career as a developer and spent a lot of time being a developer, tech lead, architect, you, you name it, different things in different areas, infrastructure as well as application. But I, you know, all along, I always believed that um, besides being a hardcore technologist and hands-on engineer, I could unleash more for an organization by scaling what I have learned and coaching and mentoring people and leading teams. That's how I got into the leadership positions, right? And Walmart's gig was primarily to learn the scale of retail. Prior to that, I wasn't in retail. So I learned a lot there. Uh, and then Macy's was, I think, uh, was a big transformational job for me. I was there for almost six years. 
and um, you know I started in the digital space um, as a e-commerce VP and then grew up into different ranks and different responsibilities. Um, it's um, it's at Macy's that I stepped into my first CTO role, and it's a, it was a unique situation and and a very good one where uh, we had for long period of times we had. Uh, two different technology organizations uh, uh, in my previous company. One was Digital Focus, which is where I was working for the past few years. And then there was, uh, you know, IT infrastructure, enterprise IT and, uh, and, and store IT team, which was the two different organizations. So while working and growing the digital business and digital uh, experiences in tech, it was very clearly understood that we wouldn't be fully successful. We would not be able to unleash the full power of tech for the company's benefit if we don't bring the two large organizations together. So that's where I, I play, uh, uh, I played an important role in influencing the leaders around me and I got full support and trust of the leadership there that we were able to unlock such a big potential that we brought these technology teams together and, uh, and deliver that value for our customers at Macy. So that's how the teams were brought together and under one umbrella, under one CTO, and that happened to be me. When you build out these leadership teams and come into a company, what are you looking for in the leaders? Like what qualities really stand out for great leaders that you notice? Yeah, I think uh, I, I look at, I mean, there are many lenses to look into the technical talent and, and the leaders you're looking, but specific to leaders, I think what I look at at least like a two axis, an X and Y axis, one axis is uh, the axis of your passion, right? Are you passionate? about the job you're doing, about the charge you have in your hands. And the other thing is your expertise. And are you expert in the same space or not, right? And that is also my advice to everyone uh, of my teams. I coach them that, you know, you need to look at the intersection of uh, expertise and passion. And I hope they are aligned because if they are aligned, you can deliver so much more. And then the aspects of, uh, you know, the, such a fast growing pace where you have to learn so many new tools, new ways of working and all of that that could become stress for you. The changes in the organization can become stress. But if your passion is aligned with it, it'll be fun. Right. So I, I look at it, this is like not a, this is like a people's view of uh, looking at people, uh, you know, my teams and leadership. And I try to, when I form team, when I allot portfolios to my leaders, I look at that and try to see if somebody is not fit in that X and Y axis in the sweet spot and try to get them into a position where they would be in a sweet spot. So the mobile is obviously a huge component because that's how everybody is going to be planning their rooms and, and working on that. Do you happen to focus on one platform or the other, or do you just build for the, the big two platforms or do you guys throw Microsoft in there too? Yeah, no, I think we are uh, definitely seeing what everybody else is seeing that the customer is moving uh, into the mobile because that's the most important device they use every day, 24 hours. So we also have mobile, our websites, as you know, we are a house of powerful brands. So all of our brand websites are on mobile. So they are tuned for mobile. They are tuned for mobile excellence. And as I've joined the journey here, that is another focus. I'm trying to make sure that people are focusing a lot to remove as much friction as possible from our mobile, mobile experiences. And how do you connect it to our stores experiences as well? So to your point, the AR, VR, all these things and other features which are going to roll out we are definitely focusing a lot on mobile uh, thing. We, are, we also are working heavily this year to be able to 
have a very high performance on our mobile experiences by deploying a, a kind of set of tactics, which we call you know progressive web applications, through which you can have very highly optimized web applications. So that is also an effort uh, in progress right now. That's awesome. So getting the mobile done, you've gone and climbed up through and had huge experiences at Walmart, Macy's, and now Williams Sonoma. What are you most excited about today? Like what what gets you jumping out of bed in the morning? Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think Williams Sonoma itself, you know, it's a the reason I joined this is like I said, it's a it's a house of powerful brands, right? We are also international. And the, the brand recognition that has been built, we own our own designs, right? And we own some of the manufacturing also. So with this whole um, life cycle that exists, I think there is so much with technology to unleash for this in terms of its growth, in terms of innovation and innovating through tech, right? I mean, I always say that, you know, it's, either companies are doing, uh, are tech companies, that means their business is tech or they are doing business through tech. There is no other way to to kind of survive in today's world so i think i'm very excited to be able to unleash and unlock various technology enablers for uh, william sonoma so that we become more highly digitized inside the stores as well and our digital presence e-commerce also goes for a very hyper growth so i think it's a uh, it that excites me a lot right and i shared the outward roadmap to you that's a, that's a big one and then there are many other initiatives we are taking inside the company to be able to help the businesses grow. And, you know, just to kind of share with you, when I joined, I was thinking, what mission statement can I give to my technology teams? And one simple mission statement, which we have now adopted here is to build a world of possibilities for business. Simple, right? To help businesses uh, think of newer possibilities. I'm right. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. If, if you mentioned a couple of times that there's a, there's a number of brands with William Sonoma, but, I didn't know this. Can you give me an overview of? Sure. Um, so I think we have, as you know, our core parent uh, brand, William Sonoma, right? We have, and we have William Sonoma Home. And then we have a Pottery Barn. I don't know if you were aware of Pottery Barn as oh, our yeah. brand. yeah. You guys, right? William Sonoma Home, that's different. So I, I should give you some, I did, I tried to do some research. I did some research. I went to the mall where, the, to me, William Sonoma is the William Sonoma logo in the mall. And I bought a mug. I'm actually traveling. I'm in San Francisco right now. But uh, I bought this orange mug so I could have it to talk about on the show. And I mm -hmm. went through the whole process of digitally, like, checking out and becoming a, it, here, here's what was really cool. What was really cool was that we're the only company I've ever interfaced with that while I'm checking out on the digital touchpad, I could actually type in my email address. And so it wasn't like something I had to say or speak to the individual. And the whole process was very modern. And so I think I did this, it was probably like three weeks ago, right when we got you booked on the calendar, I took my wife and our little daughter and we went there and I bought this orange mug. And uh, yeah, the whole, the whole process was really cool. So, but to me, William Sonoma is, has always been the kitchen store. So I, I think Pottery Barn's in the same mall, I'm very aware. Now I'm starting to understand more about this AR, VR thing. Right, so Pottery Barn also has like brands like Pottery Barn, Main Pottery Barn, uh, for kids, Pottery Barn for teens. We have also launched something for Pottery Barn Apartments. Then we have a brand called Vestelm. It's a, another powerful brand. And then we have Rejuvenation. 
So we have almost eight brands. Uh, we work through, and it's, it's so a unique situation for us, even for technologists, right? It poses a, a unique challenge because then you have to serve technology and solutions uh, to so that there is leverage, right? It could be across the, across the different brands, but at the same time, you have to serve the unique needs of those brands as well. So it's a very good challenge. And to me, it increases your experience like multi-fold because at the same time, you're serving so many brands, right? And it also gives you a very strength, uh, a very strong point from where we could test a particular feature, right? On one brand in a safe harbor approach and see how it goes, learn from experimentation and then roll it out very quickly to other brands and vice versa. So that's a, that's a very, very good uh, from my vintage point uh, as a technologist, a CTO heading technology, it's a very great uh, thing that we, we are able to do with this. That's awesome. I do that on a smaller scale with features in an application. I'll release the feature to a core small part of the yeah. audience and then roll it out uh, farther along as, as we get feedback on how it does. If you were to take a pie chart of your day, how you spend your time, what, what would be the three biggest slices? Right. I think the one uh, slice is definitely I look for um, strategizing. So if you would uh, look at my calendar, many of my, some of my meetings, one chunk would be about working with my leaders and strategizing uh, on initiatives and asking if there is any blocker in there, right? So establishing strategies and then checking on them, are they moving forward in time? Are we on time? Are we seeing any blockers in that, that kind of dialogue? Then I also have certain things uh, in my calendar, which I uh, put some time to my people and engaging with people at different layers, right? Not necessarily just my directs. So I have a forum, which is a director and below forum, where I just try to have a very safe harbor, safe zone uh, uh, conversation with them, where they can ask me questions, give me feedback, and I can learn from them and share with some of the insights with them. So that I try to go under every VP uh, and try to have those kind of forums as well. And then, you know, then, you know, definitely being part of the executive team, some of my time every week is spent in EC meetings, uh, discussions with uh, my, you know, fellow EC members, with the CEO, my boss, Laura Albert. Uh, and then, we, of course, we are also accountable for, you know, for um, preparing and, and sharing things with our board members. So some of the time goes there. But at a high level, you look at it as, as the first chunk is uh, strategizing, ideating, innovating, and seeing where they are going. Uh, other chunk is like operations, looking at general how things are going, and then third uh, part goes to the people and and keep grooming the talent, talking to them, uh, hearing insights from them, uh, and building out talent. That's brilliant. I love it. now when you said EC. Whenever whenever anybody on the show does acronyms, I, ha I ask them what the acronym is. It's the executive committee. Okay, excellent. Yes, yeah, we have a, we have a wide range of listeners. So we have everybody from the CTO. Right that's at home working out of the garage with their friend, maybe a co-founder by themselves, all the way up through you know, Microsoft. And mm -hmm. I actually met with uh, Asana yesterday and uh, he's a fantastic CTO. They're like in the $100 million range. They're in San Francisco too. Okay. Uh, but they, he had the exact same pie slices as you. I see. Yeah, right? And you're both doing extraordinarily well. Right, good to hear yeah. that. So what's, What's the piece of advice that you would give yourself if you could talk to yourself 10 years ago? I think, uh, you know, I think um, to myself or, or the people who are, who are in that phase today, 
uh, I think the key is to make sure that, you know, please follow your passion, right? Like I was saying earlier, follow your passion and make your investments aligned with your passion because then that gives you a very potent combination, which is hard to achieve. And these years, whatever phase in your career you are, every year is very important. It could be very formative for you or it could be confusing for you depending on how you are investing your energies, whether it's learning, whether it's you know training, whether it's picking up a job, try to align with your passion. And the, like I said earlier, that you know in this fast world, you have to be so much on your tips to kind of learn, to kind of innovate, work on it. And those things can become stress and pressure if you're, it's not aligned with your passion. So that's one important thing. Another thing I say, a second piece of advice is, I say that you know if people are not laughing at your goals, they're not big enough. So it's, it's very important to have audacious goals aligned with your passion, aligned align with your expertise and go for them, try for them. And I've had various um, instances in my, in my life, whether it's a student life or, or career where I, I was laughed at uh, literally and then non-literally as well. Right. Or, or, and I, I took that as a challenge. I'm like, that's, that clearly tells me that's my goal. And I went for it. And many times I was able to achieve that. Oh, Dude, I'm getting goosebumps. You get me all pumped up. I love your leadership style. So your passion, I'm just going to guess that it's technology and leadership. Yeah, my, my passion is at the intersect of three things. Technology, leadership, that means unleashing it through the people, and customer. Come on now. you're getting. Yeah, I have the technology leadership and, and I say market, but that's, the, that's like the same thing. That's the customer. Exactly, yeah. Oh, we are, we are good friends. <laughs> you know, because a lot of time people say that, you know, oh, this particular company um, kind of removed the other company, like Uber removed cabs and taxis and stuff, right? Kind of, or had an impact there. I mean, I don't see it that way. And it's like, it's not about technology. It's about the customer. The cab and that business became, in my mind, stale. It wasn't available where the customer needed it, right? So if you look at it, technology is going to continuously evolve. And if you're yeah. a technologist, you shouldn't feel... Uh, worried about you learn you're a good learner quick study you will catch up with newer and newer trends it is the hyper focus on customer if, if a company can learn on hyper focus on customer you will be successful Ex the, a business exists to bring value to a market and we're a yes. series of repeatable processes that bring value to the market the market responds in the form of capital in order for us to scale our processes. So it's not anything other than just bringing other people value. That's the only way. When I see people that have, a, when I'm driving by the airport and I see the people getting in their private jet or I see a nice car, I'm like so excited. At what value did they bring to the world? They must've done something so great and that's yes. so useful to so many people that that happened for them. True, 100% with you. Yeah. That's what I get excited about. <laughs> so that's, that's how I'm living my life is, you know, going around talking to these great CTOs and figuring out the different areas. I mean, 135 CTOs in the past eight months is how many. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. I'm sure you have some big goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> With and, that number. Yeah. I was doing three a day and then I lost my voice. So we had to back it down. Um, but yeah, the goal for me was I was learning about, I'm a big nerd and I was learning about this, um, little organic substance called mycelium and it's actually this new um, organism that is in the soil and in, it goes and it brokers information and nutrients between the roots of the tree and, and the bottom of the soil so if it needs like nitrogen it'll go exchange nitrogen 
and forth. And this act of going back and forth, uh, you know, is very useful and it's a requirement in the ecosystem. And that communication is something that I found that I enjoy after mm -hmm. being very intro, you know, being a writing code for 17 years. And then, so I said, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go talk to everybody so that I understand the, nobody has gone and talked to all the CTOs. Yeah. And said, yeah. There, there has to be some information here that's useful when you pull everyone together. And per the example with you and Asana, the, the CTO of Asana, like there are certain CTOs that divide their pie chart. I ask almost everybody that, and you, there's a number of, there's about three or four stages that you go through and you have to transition your pie chart as you go through the different stages. And when someone comes to me and they only have 5 million in revenue and I ask them about their pie chart, they have that problem. <laughs> they have a $5 million in revenue pie chart. And then, so I tell them to, you know, if you're still shipping product at $5 million and you're writing, you're hitting send on the, you know, get push or, you know, releasing the code yourself manually at $5 million cash flow positive, that's a problem. You need a product architect. You're spending too much time um, right. and you need to go be focusing on acquiring better talent. The first person, a product architect. <laughs> I'm hundred percent with you because you know, it's so important to have the right talent, right mindset, like I was talking about in your organization and build a nimble organization that helps in facilitating fast decision-making and you know, building the right tools and culture for you. Like for example, what we are heavily working is maturing our microservices strategy and not for the sake of tech or because it's a cool word, it's because we want to get uh, short on our time to market. We want to get nimble microservices architecture so we can internally release many codes, right? As we go very faster, but also be able to talk to the external world, partner with third parties and partners to be able to exchange information. So it's so important and as you know, we all know that how AI and ML is playing a, such a massive role in transformation of organizations. And I'm very big on that. We have a big uh, hiring plan for ML engineers. Uh, if you go to our website, we will already find 10, 12 ML engineering positions, data scientist positions. And we are, uh, we are heavily looking at every aspect of how we do business and how do we transform them uh, applying AI and ML. You're like a dream. Who would have thought you walked through the mall, you see the kitchen store and you guys are like insane. This is awesome. I'm very excited. So yes, having that ability to, to know that you need to invest into looking at your business. And I, sometimes there's a, you know, data science, ML applications, everybody has so much data. It's like, what's happening with it. Um, there's this one company called SIF science and they're in San Francisco too. Have you heard of them? Yes, I've heard them. Oh, okay. So their uh, co-founder is Fred, and uh, uh, I made friends with Fred on the show, and then I was out here visiting them and hanging out in their office. But yeah, he was talking to me about how they work, and it reminds me of what you were just describing in the sense that smart people tend to almost always figure out the outcome and then work backwards, right? You got it. You got it. And, you know, I'm like heavy practitioner of uh, driving outcome-based cultures. How do you shift a culture from output to uh, outcome? And, you know, it becomes even uh, a major problem for IT or technology groups because engineers quickly get to the point of outcome. How many lines of code can I produce? What quality can I produce? But the first question I ask my teams is what customer needle are you moving? What business needle are you after? And work your way backwards into technology. I never worry about that delivery aspect, you know, 
being a technologist myself and spend all these years coding, uh, I worry about are we after the right thing? It's so important. And uh, a, a slight insight from my own, uh, the way I kind of look at big data and machine learning and how it's coming, and I kind of share with my other friends too, is, you know, a, a decade, uh, the last decade or five years ago, everybody was after big data, big data. The data has to be corrected, create, uh, you know, data lakes um, in, the, in the organization and build those kind of things. And companies spend millions and millions of dollars producing those big data lakes, right? Uh, however, uh, because the outcome was not very clearly defined, the lakes were there. In my mind, the, the water got collected in the lakes and remained stagnant. And, you know, and sometimes it was also smelly, right? <laughs> so I, I believe, and I'm also writing a design pattern for instead of a data lake, a data channel and data streams design pattern. So data is fresh and it's coming, it has gating and it is coming and, 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 and leaving the system also. But, you know, with the advent and proliferation of machine learning, to your point of outcome, uh, you don't have to wait for building for three years to build a data lake. You can start with the outcome-based approach that here's my business process. For example, a supply chain process. I want to drive it uh, for a very much lower cost and a faster time of information to the customers and start doing some ML model on whatever data that's available to you. And let the, data, let the ML outcome drive what more data you need to inject in your lake. Yeah. Right? So you can chisel and shape your data through uh, the outcome you want to drive through machine learning. So that's the kind of paradigm I'm trying to apply here as well. Yeah, and that's that's really comes down to the core competencies of the executive team, right? So if the individuals are outcome driven, then they're not being sold by the market on the buzzword. They're instead sitting back saying, this is what I want to do. I want to answer this question. Where are the tools? in the market to answer this question and you you're just leveraging the power of the market to accomplish what you want not sitting there with meetings saying how should we spend this money you know yeah, like, yeah you, you you decide this is what we need to be doing we need to be understanding what we can do with machine learning you, know, you have your specific outcomes i love it i love your style i want to hear you i want to hear are you giving talks in the near future actually for the past year and a half i've been very heads down in transformation internally in my previous job too. And here also, it's a, it's a, it's a big transformation thing. So I haven't, uh, by design, picked up uh, any big speaking engagements. Uh, and I've been like, uh, uh, sort of uh, respectfully declining some of those part, uh, participations. Because uh, I think here at William Sonoma, I think after a few months, when I think my org has been structured as a nimble org, and I have the right leaders in place and teams in place, and some of the uh, great tech uh, initiatives on the on the go, on the fly, on the run. Uh, I think then I, it would be the right time to go and share those. I'm a big believer not to speak just for the sake of, you know, book speaking. I always believe do something great. It should naturally radiate out of your company and then go and share with people that, you know, what you're seeing, here's the recipe or here's how, I, how we did it. Yeah, and even mention in that talk your skill of, prioritization of time in yeah. not speaking prior to having completed the objective or the outcome. Exactly. Yeah. But the, the thing that excites me about you is that whatever book comes out or whatever series of talks you end up giving, uh, I very much am interested to hear because, you know, truly great leaders are, are rare. They just are, they're very valuable and they rise to the top. So it's pretty easy to identify them. You just have to talk to, all the top people and then find the 20% of all the top people, right? <laughs> uh, here's your use case of uh, CTO words, machine learning and artificial intelligence. You've done so much 
research interviews, you can produce a very good uh, social and talent graph of CTOs by applying machine learning. Amen. You should see the data we have. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I, I keep uh, incredible amounts of data, like our show notes. Like we have uh, Jake, who's actually the producer on the show right now, who's typing out every topic minute by minute, like in a, in a live Google doc. And we tag uh, the shows. We engineer our questions based on what people want. And so we're constantly reaching out. You know, it's interesting. I, I really like this part about humans is we have 70,000 active listeners. And what I'll do is I'll send an email out and ask people what challenges they're facing this week. And I'll do that like every three to four weeks just to figure out what's going on that week. And there's always five things. Like everybody says the same five things. You know, like when GDPR was going on, like everybody said the same thing. I was like, do you understand it? They're like, no, do you understand it? <laughs> I was like, so I, you know what I do when that happens? I, I do what any great leader does. I go find an expert on the subject and I have them teach it to me um, under the Feynman technique, which is like explaining it to a child, right? Like teach me like a three-year-old because if you can't teach a three-year-old a comp, if you can't teach a three-year-old physics, you don't understand physics. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're gonna knock out some work, um, enjoy the transition and, and learn a lot and grow a lot. And then we're gonna hear some talks. A book in the next five years? Can, can we get a book? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, um, that's a stretch goal you just gave me. I have always been thinking about writing a short book, which is more like, um, you know, experiences uh, during, a, rather than writing a long verbose book, I believe like in sharing some of the problems and how my experiences were related with those problem solving, either it was me who was helping solve the problem or learn from others, right? Uh, so that's something, uh, it's in my mental notes. Uh, mental journal at some point if I have time I'll definitely um, you know take a vacation and try to put it down nice well if you have any questions so I, I got through the first process of writing a book and it was it was really unique I surrounded myself with experts and had them um, they actually wanted me to make it real long but I fought them on it and made it real short because I didn't I don't like when I read books and they're fluffy yes. I just give me the experience give me the value I've got life to live and give me the takeaway. So I learned a lot from the, from the first book. The biggest one being that you will write a chapter and you will have a very specific feeling and it'll be very clear what you want to communicate. And there will be six or seven different ways the whole world sees it. Like they'll think you said things that you didn't even say. And, but it's very, it's very interesting. And then from that process, I learned how people saw at least my writing. And then now I'm working on the second book uh, and then it's going to be much better because I know what people want based on the feedback from the, it's just an iterative approach. Yeah, that's great. Good to know you're doing that. Yeah. So it'll be, we'll be doing it. Uh, it'll be wrapping up next year. Cause I didn't want to release like two books in the same year. I figured maybe one a year. And, uh, so the first one is called modern CTO. And the second one is called everything but code which is all the technology leadership, everything but the actual code, because people write so much on the project management and the different right. libraries and languages. Yeah. We need to write on the, the technology and the leadership part. So I'll send you a, um, you know, after the summer when it's done, I'll send you a pre-version. You can throw something in there or make comments. Right. I would love to, I'd love to see your insights and if any inputs I can give you, that'll be great, that'll be. Awesome. It's so great talking to you. Anything I can do for you? What can I do for you? No, I think we should, we should stay connected. This is our first time talking to each other on this uh, 
uh, podcast. We should stay connected and you know share insights. And like you said, you can share some of your writing things. I, if I have written something by that time, I, I will send it to you and see if you have insights there. So I think stay connected is important, right? Awesome. Thank you. It was so much fun. This was great. Likewise, Bill. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.